Good evening and welcome to the Good Sources show, not Q&A. Uh, we are a show that uh, is endeavouring to counter the left-stream narratives that are in your head all the time. Uh, and so we don't feel the need to put them on the set tonight. We're going to be giving you uh, a different source of views. And tonight we have a great lineup. Now, Daniel Andrews recently passed some legislation in Victoria which saw a, a, a making illegal a ban on uh, talk therapy. It's now illegal if you're a same-sex attracted adult to go to a, a person, a therapist or a, a spiritual advisor, and ask them to give you advice and, and counselling on and how you might deal with the feelings that you don't want. That's illegal. Uh, Daniel Andrews says, no, that's not okay. Uh, you can obviously go and talk to somebody if you don't want to be straight any longer, but you can't go and, and talk. It's one direction only. Uh, now, unfortunately, there are a lot of people who experience an end to those feelings of attraction, uh, quite often by dealing with underlying issues. We've had guests on the show before who've uh, done that very successfully, very effectively, and uh, they didn't need electrotherapy or anything cruel or unusual to do it. It was just dealing with uh, psychotherapy issues. Now, somebody who's probably had more than one therapist um, and has managed to resolve some of those feelings of, of same-sex attraction now declared himself an ex-gay is Milo Yiannopoulos. Uh, and joining me tonight on the panel to discuss uh, Milo's conversion therapy is uh, Alexandra Marshall. Ellie, welcome to uh, the Good Sources Not Q&A, again for many times, regular panellist. Now, you've actually written about this in The Spectator. Uh, what do you think is uh, going through Victorians' mind or even Milo's mind right now with the different issues that arise from Milo telling the world he's no longer gay? Well, I don't think anybody could have predicted the headlines that came out a couple of weeks ago when Milo declared himself chaste, ex-gay and Catholic. Uh, but Milo is a fascinating story in particular. He is a figure of outrage for the left because obviously the left engage in social justice politics where everybody is a combination of their identity and Milo has crossed their boundaries many times because he occupies a victimhood narrative as a, as a previously gay man and... Uh, now he has gone and done the reverse where he's changed his sexuality, which, of course, is a threat to the left. They, you're allowed to convert out of being straight, but you're not allowed to convert out of being gay because they see that as a kind of uh, invalidation of their sexual preference, which is, of course, rubbish. That's their own invention. Um, so what do the left do with Milo? How do they deal with the fact that uh, someone who they hate is now a victim of what they would call conversion therapy? And of course, the left's answer is, well, no matter how much of a victim you actually are, they're going to hate you regardless because, you know, they, they love to hate Milo. Um, yeah. As for Victoria, everything is illegal in Victoria. So I don't think Victorians are going to notice any difference because they've got so many rules. Who would even know what you can and can't do in Victoria anymore? I mean, it's illegal to leave your house half the time. <laughs> it is. It is. Uh, it. It's just... It's very brave of Milo. I, I guess he's never been afraid of, of making himself a target of the, the woke-tivists. Um, and uh, he actually says that he's now going to start his own conversion therapy uh, business. 
uh, facility. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what what noun to put on it, but he's going to start up a practice offering um, helping uh, same-sex attracted people uh, deal with those feelings, unwanted feelings, in California. And he says it's the best um, fundraising source. Um, people are just flocking to give him checks because they feel like they have become victims of what he describes as the gay establishment. Well, let's put it this way. Milo is consistent in one respect. He has always asked difficult questions of social politics. And he might be asking different difficult questions depending on which year it is, but there's still questions that the woke particularly don't know how to answer because they base their politics basically on a fallacy. And Milo has a point, you know, uh, the left keep telling us that sexuality is something you know, that can be changed and um, there's all these uh, young groups organised to help kids recognise their sexuality and change being straight to gay and all Milo has done is said, well, sometimes you know, there could be a mistake and you might want to go back to being straight and what's the harm in having a therapist help people go down that journey? And, of course, he has been the victim of the most vile abuse online, which is threatening and um, what would almost get you, certainly get you kicked off if you said it to someone who was actually gay still. And it just shows you how uh, sexuality is being used as a weapon in social politics. And, yeah. you know, whether or not Milo is serious or permanent, it doesn't matter. At least he's asking the questions and showing up the duplicity of his social politics that we find ourselves in. Absolutely. I would also like to uh, welcome to the show tonight and to the panel, uh, Jamie Spry. Uh, Jamie has a significant following on Twitter uh, because of the common sense that he constantly streams, uh, lots of science and arguments about the climate change myth. Um, Jamie, welcome to Not Q&A. Good to be here. Yeah, thank you. Now, you've been uh, listening to our conversation now. What are your thoughts? I actually have no idea what you think, so this is an open question. Uh, launch yeah, into the I... on your gumboots. Milo Yiannopoulos, ex-gay, now practising conversion therapy, now offering conversion therapy. Well, I think, I think um, uh, Ellie on a good word, um, duplicity. I think that, that sums it up. And I think what Milo represents is a microcosm of all of the causes of the left, um, whereby mm. they're more a function of power as opposed to what they actually try to define and try to make better in society. Um, like what's Milo? He ticked every single box of the, um, of the political correct woke society who's gay married to a black man an immigrant when he actually lived in america um yet when he upholds a conservative uh, viewpoint um which is his free right and his free speech he is ridiculed by the left and attacked for that which opens it again it, it shows that often a lot of the left's arguments are basically in my opinion derived around power rather than what they actually attempt to serve to produce they're sensitive issues climate change racism um sexuality uh they're very emotional emotional emotive issues that they are using and often i guess in the case of milo we can see that they're not really geared around um a unity for everyone to have the same um options to being gay i mean milo's pilloried as a 
I mean, as a, uh, you know, as a, as a, as a toxic version of uh, for people on the, on the gay side, it's wrong. I mean, he's, he's, he just has a different point of opinion that the left doesn't like. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, also joining us tonight is Professor Augusto Zimmerman from Perth uh, in Western Australia. Uh, Milo, uh, Milo, I just called you Milo. <laughs> it ends with O, but uh, you have many more letters to your name <laughs> uh, and probably academic ones as well, Professor Augusto Zimmerman. Uh, now, in Alexander Marshall's article on Spectator, and I'll try not to call you Milo again, um, we had... Uh, can you just unmute yourself as well? I'm about to ask you a question. We were going to hear every word you say. Uh, and if you can do a Milo impression, that will be even better. <laughs> a Brazilian Milo <laughs> accent. It would be great. Uh, in her article, she highlights a couple of things that um, some of the woke left have been saying about him. Uh, quote, in a new grift, fascist MAGA lunatic Milo Yiannopoulos says he's an ex-gay, which... That's not how it works since it's not a choice. I would know because I'm gay. It's yet another way for this piece of poo to get loathsome, hateful creatures to give him money. And uh, that was said by Ricky Davila. And uh, Nick Walden said, quote, I'm a proud gay man. Milo declaring that he's an ex-gay is BS and dangerous to hashtag LGBTQ youth whose families believe that homosexuality can be removed denied or excised, we exist, end quote. Uh, so what we see is that uh, disagreeing on the substance of a debate isn't actually possible. Um, Augusto, is this just more example of the left's capacity to engage with the topic? Well, I think that, that shows you the capacity of the left to not engage in, in an issue because that's when we stop the discussion and start to think about having perhaps a street fight. Uh, this whole thing about uh, accusing others and, and calling people's names, that is when you lose uh, the capacity to reason. And the left has demonstrated over the years that um, perhaps for lack of better arguments, they want to cancel people and silence the debate. Uh, if they were really confident about what they have to say, they would be able to win these discussions uh, using uh, powerful arguments. If there is a lack of power argument, then we can understand why they have to appeal to other uh, methods. And you see in the West uh, the proliferation of laws that are undermining freedom of speech. And I guess uh, if Milo decided to open his clinic in some parts of this country here in Australia, he would probably even be, be arrested as a result. So it's really regrettable when we are having uh, the silencing of uh, different opinions because democracy requires the free exchange of ideas. That's not what they seem to want at all. Yeah. Uh, we see in uh, the New York Post that uh, Milo's talking about opening a conversion therapy facility. Uh, I'm not sure that that's the best word for it, uh, and I'm not even sure that... I don't know how he's going to do this. Uh, I hope he's got nothing to do with it. A sex therapist. Why doesn't he do that? Call himself a sex. I, I actually hope he has nothing to do with it at all. I can't think of anybody worse 
to um, to provide professional therapy than Milo Yiannopoulos. Um, and and professional therapy is a great thing for people to get from a professional. Um, and you know, yeah. Again, there's a recent episode of Not Q and A where we we had someone who was former homosexual, ex-gay, if that's a terrible label or not. Um, and again, it's a common experience for people who say they are no longer gay to face uh, the worst kind of persecution uh, from the gay establishment than, than what they say they receive um, from, from the, the majority of the West. Um, but, yeah, I just <laughs> I hope he's just arm's length away from it all. Yeah, I think Milo, um, in what he's doing, is clever at at pulling the same leftist narrative um, back on itself to show that, um, as uh, as we heard that we, we need you know, we need there's two sides of every coin, and that we need to have free speech. Mm. So he adds that uh, he adds that little naughty taste to it. But if you look back, I mean, the, um, the, Ameri the American left wanted us only three weeks ago to have conversion therapy against whiteness. And that was publicised on CNN, NBC. I mean, it's it's um, a lot less um, controversial what he's doing than than trying to convert whiteness out of us all. I mean, but uh, yeah. So I guess he's trying to sort of play point. their play their own game. Yeah, you make a good point, and and yeah, uh, two good points really. There, um, the the whiteness uh, kind of nonsense is, is certainly toxic and damaging, as if you should now. I don't think Race, there's racist. I don't. I don't <laughs> think there's any search for the white gene anymore. I think that's been found. Um, what, but... Milo, what Milo has what Milo has done is he's actually shown that this Marxist obsession with identity politics groups and collectivist groups is that you can join and you get welcomed into open arm a collectivist group, but you can't leave them because if you leave a collectivist group, you are you are risking the entire notion of collectivism itself, and that's why they hound Milo for leaving the gay whole genre, even though they hated him being there, he's still not allowed yeah. to leave it. Yeah, yeah, and again, it shows that it shows that the, the whole gay mantra is corrupt because can't Milo be a gay man if he has a different opinion? So it's a mm -hmm. it's a it's a source of power rather than an actual cause in, in my eyes, yeah. Absolutely. So, there is another point that I would like to make is that um, it, it is this uh, need for conformity that the left uh, is trying to impose on us. That tells me that they are not people who are really keen on promoting real tolerance and diversity. Because, uh -huh. you know, in many ways, Milo is a very uh, colorful character and he makes things quite entertaining, in my opinion. So uh, when you have people like him suffering this sort of persecution, it tells me that uh, the left wants to impose conformity and uniformity. And mm -hmm. if we dare to disagree from them in one single aspect of their uh, totalitarian agenda, they will certainly use any means that are available to them to persecute you and to bring you into their uh, conformity. Uh, I have to say that Milo is a man who is evolving and he is actually trying to progress in his ideas, and that means that uh, he is an intelligent man who is capable of being developing independent thinking. We should applaud him for what he does because he makes a life, our lives even more colorful and exciting as a result. Yeah, fair, fair point.
um, he he definitely does uh, bring a, a lot of uh, character to every discussion and every debate. And um, I, I definitely don't want to operate um, the the way he does. But I have to admit, uh, for comedic value, like the old court jester um, mocking the the power on the throne, um, he's very good at um, at pointing out uh, some of the silliness. Mm -hmm. Uh, in in the status quo and and the establishment. So come on, uh, Dave. We'll get you a glitter Trump hat if you like. You can have one of those. I would wear it if you got me one too. <laughs> I, would, I would wear yeah, that. that would be just. I think. Hilarious. I think just on that, he he is a particular threat to the left because he's so articulate and clear oh, yeah. in what he says. So uh, and if that, if that's a um a, a you know a, a criminal offence, well. There you go. Sums it up. Yeah, I'm, I'm furious with Milo. He wrote a brilliant article today in Spectator, <laughs> and he's very funny and a very talented writer. And I'm sure that's why they hate him because he can run circles yeah. around the left journalists. It's just yeah. it's one of his very, talents. very influential human being. Very influential. Yeah, mm. yeah. Very clever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, today on the Good Source, we reported uh, a, an opinion piece from George Christensen, who is the chair of a parliamentary committee. Um, which is the Joint Standing Committee on Trade and Investment Growth. Uh, now, if your eyes are drying and you're looking for some paint to watch dry, uh, stay tuned because it's actually very interesting. He, they started this investigation right at the beginning of the year or beginning of last year before the effects of COVID on the economy um, came to be widely known. And uh, they tabled a report um, which is an inquiry into diversifying Australia's trade and investment profile. Now, the, what they quickly discovered is that Australia, and this isn't new news to anybody, but, uh, you know, parliamentary committee has made it official, is that Australia has been overexposed to the Chinese economy. Uh, and when we can't get the imports and things that we need from China, Sometimes there's very critical things to our health service that, that failed. Uh, now, what they actually said is that for Australian businesses uh, to go in the direction of diversifying the market, uh, it's been attractive up till now to do business with market, to, to do business with China because their market is something that we can sell to on enormous scale and buy from at a cheap price. However, China's been increasingly aggressive uh, and the political scene is now, I was listening to uh, Jim, Senator Jim Mullen this week and he was talking about the possibility that we could be having war within the decade, if not much sooner, because of it's just a possibility. It's, it's not inevitable. Um, but, you know, China is definitely preparing for those things and out of the last 16 times that an economy has has tried to take over a, a primary place like China trying to take over America. It's twelve times ended very very badly. Ended in war. Uh, so the question is, how much diversifying should we be doing, given that one of our biggest military threats in the world right now is China? Uh, and Jamie, um, talk to us about uh, what China is actually doing with regards to environmental policy, while we're all worried about turning the world's temperature down by one-tenth of a degree. Oh, 
well, I guess if you take um, the environmental policy from, it depends where you take it from. If you want to know where it comes from in their commitment to, say, the Paris Accord, they had a commitment as a developed nation to um, have unlimited CO2 emissions until 2030. Now I think that's been ratcheted out to 2060, which uh, <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone's um, unable to see that the, uh, I guess, China is pretty much the, the world's dominant power. They have the, I guess, the strongest Navy in the world right now. They've just overtaken mm -hmm. America. So I'm not sure that they um, need such a and I, I actually can't understand why they need such credits going through to 2060 if we're all in this together as they say um uh, right now china's putting online 250 gigawatts of coal-fired power um if you want a comparison australia has yeah. 35 gigawatts available um in our fleet there's 25 operational coal-fired power stations in australia we've got 25 and we are pilloried as the average coal station is how many gigawatts uh one or two so yeah um and they're adding 200 they're adding 250 gigawatts? and that's 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 just domestically so internationally it 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 quadruples because they're um they're outfitting africa india um vietnam <laughs> indonesia yeah so i mean <sighs> You need to put this stuff in context. I mean, it's all very well to say that a uh, Western country like Australia, we need to be a leader, but at what sacrifice? Like, all we're doing is sending jobs back to China yep. using, their, using their windmills and solar panels to make us less competitive and less and poor. I mean, I don't know. Is, is that whole thing about socialism makes everyone equally poor is that what we really want i'm not sure i so. actually want to get back to china in just a minute but jamie if you and the panel just excuse me for a second i'm actually interested i guess in engaging everybody's positions on on climate change i i guess i'm a at what cost kind of uh sums sums me up um jamie but jamie do you believe um there is any climate change which is caused significantly by by humans i mean i, I assume no ab ab absolutely not i mean if you if you look at the ipcc's ar5 report which was done in 2015 the latest credible one i guess everyone looks at climate change in the in the, the serious sense as extreme weather okay cyclones tornadoes floods drought all that the AR5 report said that there is no um, worsening um, extreme weather. It's actually getting less. Um, so that is something that's overlooked by the mainstream media. And I mean, it's easy. You can look up AR5 now and look up the, the extreme weather predictions. There, there are no um, uh, catastrophic forecasts. And in terms of, say, climate crisis, climate emergency, which is bandied around in the media, there isn't one scientific paper, and they ref they will refuse to do it. And to their credit, uh, there's not one scientific paper who says the climate crisis is real. They, there's there's no thing. So, do I believe that climate change is an existential threat and is happening badly? No, that's why they. It's not at all. Um, if you look at the data, so um, is it happening on the media? Absolutely. So, if you look at the media, the world's literally going to die in. 10 years but if you look at the data it's not interesting um ellie what about you um what level of what's your position on the various facets of the climate change debate 
So uh, the climate, as anybody with even a cursory knowledge of geology understands, is an ever-changing thing. It is not a climate control thermostat set to humanity. It is a subject of <laughs> extremely long periods of time and change. And so what we're seeing right now is part of a, uh, a general warming that started at the end of the last interglacial period, and we're basically stabilising off the end of a warming period from a, a nasty icy patch that we went through. There is nothing to suggest that our climate is in any way head edging towards catastrophic. Um, we're not supposed to have as much ice as we have right now, as we can tell from the movement of old glaciers. And I mean, people have to remember that our continents are drifting around, crashing into each other. We get hit by stuff from outer space every other week. We are a consequence of violent cataclysmic activity. That's how Earth functions. And so to pretend mm -hmm. that humanity is causing some kind of catastrophic uh, climate change is simply not the case. And more importantly, if you do believe that's the case, if you think that carbon is going to destroy the planet in the next 10 years, then you should be the top advocate for nuclear energy, which is the lowest mm. carbon output of any energy in the world, regardless mm. of how expensive you think it is. If money is no object and renewables are not cheap, they are a multi-trillion dollar industry, then you should be building nuclear power plants because radioactive, radioactive activity will not end the planet, will not cause catastrophic climate change. But of course, what we see is a, an entire industry revolving around the most wasteful, the most mining intense, and overall the least energy per carbon unit expended industry in the world. Yeah, I think Ellie hits on a good point there. If I can just jump in about nuclear, yeah. um, if 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 they were serious, the the you know the green eco zealots about saving the climate, why aren't they jumping in on on completely co2 free nuclear and it goes back to what exactly is the argument for climate change yeah. in my eyes it's an argument about energy and it goes back to the whole population thing the fear of population but if it is that which it came out of the 1970s and you know um, paul ehrlich um out of the out of stanford university if it is that be honest with us tell us that we're worried about overpopulation don't yep. tell us that you know we need to deindustrialize ourselves to save ourselves because all it'll do is make us yeah make hell on earth so uh augusto do you want to chip in on this or should we uh move on to the next uh, part of this conversation well this is not my my field but it's okay. quite clear that um but i have i i, I can't resist to manifest my opinion manifest I, say, <laughs> I, I have to do so uh, this is uh, another agenda that's being used uh, in order to increase the power and control of government over uh, our fellow uh, citizens in general. And that is very easy to understand. The word environment actually means uh, surrounding. Uh, it's another word that you can use for uh, or replacing the word environment. And surroundings uh, is basically everything. So if I were a communist, I would have... If, and if I really wanted to implement a totalitarian agenda of controlling every, every single aspect of a person's life, I would certainly embrace the environmentalist agenda because mm. that's when you can actually tell people everything they have to do and the, everything that's not told them to do, then they are forbidden. So that's mm. when we have uh, uh, the possibility that governments can of extending their power and control over every single aspect of our lives. It's a very dangerous agenda, the environmentalist one. 
Talking about the weather, by the way, and climate, we know that some scientists have told us that we have gone through uh, periods in, in our, our time that uh, the temperature was considerably lower than it is now and considerably higher than it's now. In England, for instance, in the medieval ages, uh, they used to actually produce even wine. And the quality of the wine in London, it seemed to be actually quite good. Greenland is not called white land for a reason, is that because uh, of climate change, the land is no longer so green, and it would be then another name if it were uh, Greenland discovered by the Danes now. So it's quite clear that the climate changes and it has nothing to do with human activity. May I add one quick point, Dave, which is in this whole discussion of climate change, what we used to worry about was pollution. And in the building of massive amounts of renewables, we have created a pollution crisis, particularly in Asia. And I'm sure we'll get to an article I wrote about what China's up to in Tibet in particular. But in mining all these items for their renewables activities, they then sell to the virtuous West. They have been poisoning their rivers, destroying all the natural environment of these previously pristine locations all in the name of carbon neutrality and green energy, which is anything but. It is producing the most toxic landscape we have ever seen. <clears throat> well, in the uh, article on the Good Source today, uh, it finishes, the committee has made recommendations aimed at protecting Australia's national interest and national security particularly in sensitive and critical sectors. Notably, there are recommendations in this report that go to serious concerns regarding state-owned enterprises and state-linked enterprises, funding our universities and owning or leasing our strategic infrastructure, including the Port of Darwin. Given the ongoing tensions with communist China, it is an unacceptable security risk to have Chinese state-owned and state-linked enterprises involved in our universities and strategic infrastructure. It's a question of trust. Can we trust the Chinese Communist Party with our strategic infrastructure? Can we trust the Chinese Communist Party with our education institutions? And there aren't many right-thinking people in Australia or China who would say yes. Uh, these now need to be urgently considered and necessary changes uh, made to secure our nation's future. Uh, Let's have a look at your article, Ellie, in The Spectator. That'll be the tab before that one. Uh, and in it, you're talking about how China is manipulating their ownership of, of assets and strategic infrastructure, including the waterways, to wield political and military threats uh, in their continent. Okay, so essentially it's called blood in the water. And it's part of a much larger portfolio of activities that China is engaging in under the guise of energy and uh, advancing third world nations. And what they're really doing is securing their own military assets and creating vast networks of roads and ports and infrastructure, which is uh, heavily militarized and in strategic positions around the world. But in this particular article, my concern is that the West has all these paper treaties and agreements, which on paper, says that mm. if conflict were to break out in the Pacific, we could rely on these partners in Asia to come to our assistance, particularly India. But what China has done is started to create these monstrous dams, particularly in Tibet, which control 10 of Asia's largest rivers, particularly things like the Ganges and the Yellow River, 
and the Mekong, and they are playing with cutting off the water supply and diverting the water supply to their Asian neighbours if their neighbours do things like don't vote the right way on one of their requirements or refuse to support them at a certain function. And so when the West thinks that, oh, our Asian partners will come to our assistance, that's not the case if China has the ability to cut off their water supply, which is the fundamental resource of these mm. countries. And we've already seen this happening. So the, the real key and the, and the one that uh, shows what China's up to is Pakistan is the only nation in, in the Asian region that has a special arrangement with China regarding the dam systems where China has agreed not to play water politics with Pakistan, where they've also brought their big pipelines in. That's because Pakistan is essential to getting oil out of Iran and up into their northern province of China, which is also where all the Islamic terrorism had down and all the, the ISIS camps are and everything. That's the same province. And that's where a lot of the activity is happening. Now, I mean, not that you could trust China to hold that agreement up, but you can see how political it is and how militarised their water politics really are. So that's the, that's the premise of the article. The, the militarization of environmental policy and, and asset acquisition is, is actually brilliantly played. They're playing 4D chess with the whole world. China is really uh, positioning themselves to, to have a, a effective war with the whole world. Yeah, well, China has claimed environmental, uh, the reclassified areas that as environmental um, areas and then use that new classification to remove the mm. Tibetan who were there mm. in order for them to go ahead and build their big lithium mines, which were being protested mm. by the Tibetans who were living there. So that's how they go to the UN and say, look how great we are with our environmental, you know, five stars, while they're quite literally depopulating in that, in that country of its residents. No, I yeah. think it's instructive, Ellie, what you're saying there. Um, and yeah, the, it's virtual, a virtual atrocity, the power they have to implement and threaten people's water supplies. But it only happens because they're allowed to. Like the, ma mm. the mainstream media allow them, which flows onto the UN and the corporate interests that they allow them to. So that's China's only doing what it needs to do to lift its people out of poverty and to, uh, and what they're allowed to do, what, what they're doing. It's not right. It's in balance, but they're allowed to do it. The media give them a pass because mm. the corporate interests run the media. I guess it, that's how it happens. Yeah. Well, it's not just the corporate interests. A lot of the big mega projects as part of the Belt and Road are mm. in partnership with Western companies like BHP, who are helping China to build their Belt and Road initiative. So it's it is a yeah, lot of money it. tied up. Um, and don't forget that China paid for all the African states to switch mm. their vote to stop objecting to China's thing. So this started yeah. more than 15 years ago, and now we're mm. seeing the repercussions of nobody paying attention to what China was doing in the third world. Outside of Trump, and Trump's gone now, which is perfect for them. And now they've got Hunter to rely on, so then no one's going to question their authority. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm. Well, there, there, was a, there was a book uh, by Fletch Vats, uh, uh, an Australian man, a medical doctor who became a hero in America fighting the forces of communism and uh, basically telling the American people about the communist threat. Uh, he uh, wrote a book called We Can Trust the Communists to be Communists. So when you talk about China, we can trust the Chinese government to be Chinese government. We shouldn't expect them to be behaving in a different fashion. What I think it's very important is to understand that the worst enemy 
of this country is actually the enemy within. I'm mm. talking about the politicians who have sold out their souls and are mm. basically trying to uh, compromise their values and compromise even national uh, integrity, the integrity of this nation, national security is an important issue. We have even a foreign affairs minister who is now uh, in leave, on uh, leave because of what happened in her office. And um, imagine this man, this person, this lady, uh, being uh, in a situation that uh, it's a war against another country. It's impossible to have people like her to be serving us as a, a foreign affairs minister if she feels so uh, distressed about what might happen in her own office. Another thing is that the armed forces, the army, the Australian army, is becoming a laughing stock as a result of these affirmative action policies that uh, Linda Reynolds and others are implementing. I remember just uh, uh, to give you an example that she proposed that AFL teams should be mixed because uh, it's not proper to have only men play uh, football in AFL. So that tells me how idiotic the person is. It would be fun at least, you know, it would be a, a force the, the that game would be, be real totally destroyed. Quality. Exactly. But look, um, we need to be, have better quality politicians who have a real concern for the country. The main threat to this country is not China. It's the stupid politicians that we have here who are unable to protect this country and, and, and seek the best interests of the people. And the mainstream media. Exactly. Can I add to that female point as the woman on this panel? I'm going to pull my gender card for two seconds. This, this really infuriates me because there are plenty of women who are scary and completely capable of running a defence uh, defense ministry. But we are stuck with people who are weak, who can't handle tiny social issues in their own office, let alone be in charge during a situation of war. They are not physically fit to handle the stress of a conflict. What are they doing in office and why is the Liberal Party, who's supposed to value merit above quotas, doing with this quality of candidate? I don't understand it and it absolutely makes me furious because who's going to hire a woman if this is the quality that we are getting out of our ministers? Do you really think that she's, uh, you know... Can I, can I make a suggestion here? Under the Sorry, uh, I just want to ask Ellie... Um, Augusto, forgive me. I just want to ask you, do you really think she's collapsing under the stress or is it more of a PR move to just take her out of the spotlight and off the stage until this all blows over? It doesn't matter which one it is. If that's what she's doing, then she's not capable of being in charge of that office. Do you think Winston Churchill or Margaret Thatcher mm. would have wandered off to take some leave to deal with these crucial issues in their office? Or would they have gone outside, stood in front of the press gallery and given their opposition absolute hell? We know exactly what they would have done. So it's irrelevant yeah. what, it's what she point. was up to. It was it not is right. Either way. Yeah. Yeah, I think we've been we've been bled though with this whole thing and it, it, it's how pathetic and inane what you're actually saying is we've been led down this road to mediocrity by a mainstream media is more concerned about the like the flavor of your ice cream like literally rather yeah. than actual actual things that are going on in our world you know yeah so it's yeah. like it's like a so, it's like a soap opera now um yep uh, yeah. just just to put put uh, 
perhaps proving my point here that gender should be an irrelevant consideration. We should not take into account. I think people, I think now I'm 100% sure that people should be uh, appointed as a result of their merit, meritocracy, that I think the best should be in the, in the job. So perhaps uh, Scott Morrison would do a good thing if they can finally start to put in competent people in his cabinet. Uh, I say to you that there, is, there are two people who I would like to see in his cabinet. One is that um, fantastic uh, senator in Queensland, Amanda Stoker. Why not mm. to put her as the attorney general? She would be doing a much better job than the hopeless Christian Porter. And another person that should have an opportunity is Andrew Hasty. Andrew Hasty is a wonderful man. Why Scott Morrison has such a disregard for competent people? I don't know. Perhaps because he want, doesn't want to be surrounded by people who are much better than him. It would be good to see uh, Jim Molan as our Minister for Defence and uh, Andrew Hasty assisting under him. That would be, uh, I think, uh, the perfect mix right now. Um, Mind you, Hasty has the gut to say what has to be said, but I've seen exactly. Jim Molan speak. I've seen Jim Molan speak quite a few times now under pressure, both in person and on screen, and he refuses to hang the lantern on or to bell the cat on some of the most crucial problems. With, that the government has made in its military decisions, which he knows are wrong. He knows very well they've made catastrophic errors. And when questioned directly, particularly by Andrew Bolt last week, he would not say that was a mistake. We have to fix that now and we're going to do something about it because that would involve criticising the government. And I'm sure people who have difficult political positions are now afraid of their own party. Has Andrew Hastie criticised those same decisions? Yes, Andrew Hastie has criticised. So when he was questioned, Andrew Hastie was prepared to criticise. When Molan was questioned, he was not prepared. And we don't have, I mean, I can only really think of two people in the Liberal Party who will go forward, even Stoker won't do it, and criticise the party when required. And that was Hasty, and that was Craig Kelly, who is now an independent, who has been punished for his devotion to conservative mm. politics. Yeah, I'm riled up because I'm so sick of our incompetent political parties. It's really driving me absolutely nuts because it's crucial. I would now. like to. We're uh, at the line. We're at the edge. This is it. We don't have another Yeah, chance. I'm sure. And I'm, I'm, I'm sure all four of us think alike that um, that, that, that um, Craig didn't didn't move anywhere. The party moved away from him. So um, yeah. that's what's sad, to be honest, in conservative values in Australia. Yeah. And, and look, uh, I have to put this plug in here for good grassroots effectivism. Uh, and that is if you are sick of the Liberal Party um, being compromising and not supporting really strong strong uh, leaders like Andrew Hastie and, and Craig Kelly. And, and if you want some of those better uh, characters in the Liberal Party to have more confidence, then you need to join and uh, add your voice to the demands uh, for conservatives and, and for right thinking in the Liberal Party. Um, and that's actually a really good uh, note to segue on to the Western Australian election. Uh, which is a complete uh, butcher's mess of of a party over there. It, it's not even deserving uh, barely of the term, with only two people left uh, in the in the lower house after the West Australian election, and uh, they were decimated. Um, and the face of the West Australian Liberal Party was Zach Kirkup, who's um, 
gracing the the thumbnail for tonight's episode uh and he is as progressive and wet as they come and the party uh that elected him uh chose to reflect itself in their choice of leaders and they he they were extremely green extremely left extremely progressive and uh the west australian population said why would we bother with you when we've got the real deal uh, and they voted the labor and greens in in a landslide uh augusta as a west australian um as a a former uh liberal party member um who's quit in disgust uh tell us um about your impressions on the ground with the liberal party there and what hope there may be for it the situation is so bad here that uh, i had to resign because i have an image and a reputation to preserve uh, I certainly do not want to be associated with these sort of people at all. Uh, just give an impression, uh, an idea of what uh, what took place here. The, there was uh, that candidate in one of the seats here who uh, is a refugee, uh, you know, the child, a child of, uh, of immigrants, and uh, she fights for human rights. She made a statement that was terrible about uh, a link between COVID and um, and 5G. But the other, the remaining of the article was pretty good, especially when he complains, she complains, but the same, about the communist threat and the fact that uh, COVID might be used also as a strategy by the governments to increase their power and control and things like that. Look, I don't want to be saying too much about what she wrote, but um, it was overall a decent article. What was indecent and immoral was the, her treatment. Uh, they just got rid of her on the phone. They gave this lady a phone call, Andrea Tokaji, saying that she would no longer be a candidate for the party. And it started to actually clearly be very nasty towards anybody who dare to have a, a more alternative um, point of view. Uh, the Liberal Party has ceased to be a party that allows people to have freedom, freedom of opinion, especially mm -hmm. if it is an opinion about uh, uh, having a regard for the rule of law, a regard for fundamental rights. They chose uh, a leader of, of the opposition who was a cheerleader for this oppressive regime that we have in Western Australia. So the, Labour government was controlling the narrative. There was no option apart from having to agree with the narrative provided by the government. Everything uh, the Premier proposes, the leader of the opposition agrees entirely. So it's almost like to have Coke original and Diet Coke. I hate Diet Coke. I prefer them to have the original. <laughs> Many people did the same here. They, they, the option was between labor and labor light. It was a disaster. And then they introduced the policy that would even embarrass the Greens. The person who introduced this policy is a guy called David Honey, who is now accusing uh, the party of having accepted too many conservatives to join the club. So he yeah. is so left-wing, he's so radical, that he is not feeling very comfortable with the presence in the party of conservatives. So the party is a disaster. It's so bad that I think that it's, it's broken beyond any repair. The best solution for conservatives in Western Australia 
is to leave the party to the dustbin of history and create an alternative movement. We can see there on the screen. Uh, we can see there on the screen uh, a post, a blog post article from Advance Australia, the Green Left, and that's a photo of uh, David Honey on the left, uh, which is a sweet name, mm. uh, and Zach Kirk up on the right, uh, and the ah, headline: yeah. Green Left Blame yeah, Election I... Loss on Christian Right. Yes, that was yeah, before, 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 Far yeah. too many conservatives in the WA Liberal Party. And uh, yes, that, that's exactly what the West Australian public saw, was a very, very, very conservative uh, party. But if we go to the, uh, just the, the article before that, uh, the ABC News report says a debacle over its green energy policy, the decision to call for a reopening of the borders at the height of the pandemic and the toxicity of the federal government backing Clive Palmer's high court challenge have all contributed to a generational Wipeout for the WA Liberals. This is a lie. This is a lie of the. That's according to the former opposition leader Mike Nan. Uh, oh, so, he's terrible. He's yeah. terrible. Mike Nan is an idiot. I, I, look, I'm sorry. I don't have patience for Mike Nan. Well, you Mike agree Nahan with was a, was a, He's one of the culprits. <laughs> <laughs> you agree yeah. with him at least that uh, their green energy policy was a debacle, I assume. That's the only thing I can agree with. Think about <laughs> that. The ABC is a left-wing uh, propaganda machine. And this Jane. thing about the open borders is the very opposite. Scott Morrison claimed credit for the, for the defeat, uh, the miserable defeat of the Liberal Party. Scott Morrison actually went to the TV, the television, and that, mm. to say that he... Uh, is very happy with what happened. He can claim credit for that because mm -hmm. he instructed the Attorney General to withdraw uh, the support that he would lend to Clive Palmer in that particular case. The Section 192 uh, provision was not challenged by the federal government, which allowed the, the Premier here to control the narrative. Scott Morris is, giving, is actually claiming credit for this. Jamie, what uh, what do you understand of the the WA Liberal uh, mm. energy policy that they took to a campaign, and and just how conservative was it? Uh, how much am I concerned about Australian and state politics? Not much. It's predictable and boring, to say the least. Um, how conservative was Kirkup's uh, message to the people? actually more far left than the far left has even got um i when i'm going to quote something from a financial review uh paper who's pretty much not a conservative group by brad thompson saying zad kirkup unveiled one of the greenest energy plans put forward by a major major political party anywhere in the country and this is out of the Australian Energy Council, who is far from uh, conservative in their views on energy. They said critics will argue that, that the plan lacks detail, may increase costs, it's too aggressive for such a short time frame. I mean, if the, if, if the Energy Council, the Australian Financial Review, are berating him for being too green, we've got a problem, Houston, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's not conservative at all to answer your question. <laughs> and, and I mean, I, I, to, just to add to that, I mean, um, he actually went to the um, one of his views. He wants to shut down all coal-fired power stations by 2025. 
I mean, Genius. this is madness. And it, it's, 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 I mean, you can see how I think Western Australia, the mining industry, I mean, they paid probably a lot of the bills, made us a lot free and give us the chance for people to protest on the streets when they're not working. But the mining industry is having a capitulation, obviously, as you know. So, yeah. and that's part to do with this whole environmental thing. And China's taking up the flow, but no one seems to be parading outside of Chinese embassies and saying, "What are you doing?" Where's yeah. Greta outside of the Chinese embassy? I don't see her there. She just continues to bash the West because yeah. um, exactly apparently right. West is colonial, patriarchal, and evil. But um, yeah, I'd, I'd 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 say to Greta. Go back to school and learn how many people that the communist regimes have killed and how far they they existed. That's the right thing to say. <laughs> yeah. 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 There, is yeah. there is something I need to say also. I don't know if you'll be able to comment on that. Is the fact that this character, Zach character, he con considered defeat two weeks before the election. You know? 16 it's days, an amazing yeah. thing. I have never seen such, such a thing in my whole life. So he was yeah. saying, I'm so bad and so incompetent, and of course, label light, that it's better for you to vote in the original. I don't want to, to win this election. I concede defeat. I mean, it, it is bizarre, this whole thing. I think yeah, he yeah. might be a person working for the Labour Party to destroy the Liberals. I mean, that, that might be, yeah. he, might be, he might be an infiltrator. I have never seen yeah. such a display of stupidity in my whole life. I have never seen a candidate that's so bizarre and weak, and they mm. chose this guy to be the leader of the party. Really, there is something intrinsically wrong with the liberals in Western Australia. Ellie Melly, putting, poli putting policies forward to. Yeah. No, go. Sorry, go. Yeah. Uh, Ellie Melly, is there any saving the liberals in WA? Is it all the nationals <laughs> show now? How long is it going to take the liberals to rebuild the party into something approaching a credible uh, risk of government? Well, first of all, I called. Uh, Kirkup, the Matt Keen of the West. I have another name for the Kirkup that I can't say on this program or Dave will kick me up, but I'm sure you guys can work out what it is. And the WA election was essentially a pity date of politics. Everybody knew it was going to happen, but we all had to rock up and go through the whole shenanigans knowing what the answer was going to be. The only question was how badly would he lose and how short would his political career be? I also said that he had the survival instinct of a spear fisherman swimming through the head of Sydney <laughs> with a fish cap to him. That actually outlived Kirkham because he was gone before the article was even published. But anyway, I don't know if anybody's told the Liberals over there that their entire state uh, economy is not carbon neutral. They are a mining intensive state. They make the money for Australia by digging up the resources we require to build our infrastructure and power the country, and that's just how it is. Everybody needs to dig up stuff out of the ground if they want to have life. Every country on earth, doesn't matter how carbon neutral they want to claim to be, it starts in the ground. And so either the Liberal Party are being well, but lying to the people and saying our carbon neutral is not going to involve any mining when they know full well they're going to go and open renewables mines, which are far more polluting and destructive to the environment than their current coal mines and uranium mines. So they, they might think they're going to make a fortune for all their mates in mining without actually saying that they're going to do so, which is misleading the public or they simply have no clue how energy works how the system that keeps their state alive works. and i'd love to know what they think they're going to do economically if they were able to get anywhere near a budget without the money coming in from the mining industry because you can't give 
a welfare state kind of existence to all their labour and green friends who they've cultivated in the universities and through schools if you don't make any money in the first place. And uh, if WA doesn't make any money, then Australia has no use for you guys on the West Coast. We can pretty much just mm. seal that desert up and you guys can stay there because we have no room for a Premier who thinks it's okay and acceptable to stick an ankle bracelet onto a COVID patient as if they were some kind of criminal. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think they're very happy to build their own wall and keep themselves in Delhi. <laughs> They don't need a wall, they've got a desert and an ocean and no one's going over the <laughs> politics. Yeah, yeah, very true. Uh, do you think there's any coming back for them? No. No. Uh, well, no, actually, I'm going to disagree with you there. We have seen apocalyptic, the greatest, worst nightmare-style apocalypses in politics before in which Labor has been wiped out so badly. Like, look at the John Howard years. Nobody ever thought we'd see Labor again. And yet the system of government is such that it is cyclic and no matter how bad things get, there's always been in history conservative politics and left-wing politics. And that will yeah. never change because humans are always like that. The parties may have different names. We may see different uh, coalitions rise, but we will see a change of politics. You know what, Augusto, I'm going to have to um, hope you're wrong. And, uh, and I think if there was ever a good time to flood the Liberal Party with right-thinking people, uh, no, look, you, you, you now are wrong. Now would be the guys, time. You guys are wrong. I'm going to explain now. <laughs> the, the let, reason, you can, you can, can explain it just a sec, just, just a sec Augusto. Um, All right. Uh, what, what we need people to do when there are no, there's only two incumbents in the Liberal Party, now is the perfect yeah. time to flood the party and make sure that the pre-selections at the next state election four years away get in now play by the rules, control your own vote, pay for your own membership fee and make sure that the the people who are put up in every electorate in Western Australia at the next election uh, and the people who fill the the office bearers, the, the, the president and the chairman of the regions and the branches, now is the time to make sure that the people who are choosing those people are not the same left-wing, progressive, green, wet mayhem wrecking uh, who have been in the Liberal Party for so long. We need to double the Liberal Party's numbers over there and dilute them with right-thinking people and make sure that the pre-selected candidates for the next election are really, really good quality people. But they, be, if the status quo stays there, then nothing's going to change. They'll be uh, Listen, there were a couple of good candidates here, but they were totally boycotted by the leadership of the party. Now the party has only two members. One of the members is actually now in, on a witch hunt, witch hunt on Christians and conservatives in the party. He's actually blaming people who are more classical liberals to, uh, for having uh, caused the defeat. He's the mentor of the environmental uh, policy that proved has proven to be so disastrous, and he's putting the blame on the conservatives. His name is David Honey, and yes. the leadership of the party now is entirely mm. controlled by these sort of characters. If you are really a conservative, you have very little chance to even have a place in this party. The party has been taken over by these people. I believe that perhaps in a couple of years' time, there will be a chance for the Liberal Party to change and change for the better. 
But at this moment, at this moment in time, the Liberal Party has been taken over by the radical left. Mm. I can tell you, this David Honey, he's extreme leftist. Mm. I used to work with his wife at Murdoch, sorry, yeah, his wife at Murdoch University. She was my colleague. She was campaigning for all these leftist causes. And, uh, and she told me that she would never ever vote for her husband or for the Liberal Party because uh, it's not it's not left-wing enough. It seems that uh, uh, he's become a little bit like her. So I can tell you one thing, Liberal Party can change, but the people who are now in positions of power, they are not, not conservative or, as I am, classical liberals. Well, that, they're exactly the people that need to be flushed out in the in the in the wash up of this election uh, the the liberal party needs to have a good look at itself and and renovate from the ground floor to the top floor just get rid of everybody that's part of the the swamp that has led to the liberal party devastation clearly uh, you failed clearly you're not qualified or competent to run run the place and uh, and clearly a hard lurch to the left uh, is not a yeah. viable strategy for winning the next election. I think yeah, Jamie should it, run against Matt Keane. I guess it doesn't <laughs> bode well for, for, for democracy as such. I mean, you've got Dave Tahani in Western Australia and you've got Photios in New South Wales. So they are pretty much circumventing all of the conservative votes, really. What they say, who they put in goes and... Mm. Uh, who's who's Michael Fotis? Who voted him in? So he's got more power than the actual people, and we've seen it in 2018. The the quiet Australians put uh, Morrison in based upon the threat of Shorten's climate extreme climate programs, and I guess negative gearing. But what did we get when we when we put um, Morrison in? We got um, uh, appeasement to the ABC and more green policies. It's yeah. It's not what the electric wanted. The electric wanted. It's very disappointing. Uh, it's, yeah. It's bizarre. Well, if anybody like, has done their homework, so our votes don't count anymore. They don't count. Um, yeah. No, and yeah. and if anybody had done their homework on Morrison and actually had a look at his his politics, they would have seen that while he was under Tony Abbott's leadership, he did what he told. But when you read what he's actual politics were they were closer to Turnbull in some ways he was more radical on the left than Turnbull was and Absolutely. so the inability yeah. of the party to assess its own leaders and be honest about who they've got sitting in these positions they are misleading the public and then when they miraculously managed to win an election the Shorten was just so terrible that even the left were like we can't we can't do that you can't have a youth we're not going to elect Shorten the liberals didn't learn their lesson and go Phew, we, mm. we escaped our own politics. Now let's do what the public asks us to do. They think that if they appease the Canberra Press Gallery, they mm. will be successful as a government. And every single state government that has done that and gone further left has been destroyed in elections. And, I mean, Victorians yes. mm. are starting to realise that their political party, Victoria, which they were sort of the first to really go down that um, trench of nothingness, they have to mm. reform their party back to old-school liberal. They will never see government again yep yeah absolutely hundred percent correct well um guys i'm actually uh, pretty happy to start wrapping this up um do you guys want to raise any other topics or or bring this home uh, communist committee decision oh well I've we could just say that we're all writing in the public forum 
And we know for a fact that we cannot rely on the press to highlight the important issues facing not just conservative politics and liberal politics, but the future security of our nation in regards to political failures that are entrenched in both parties. And so I would invite anybody listening, anybody who actually does write, or if you don't write, just online to start talking about the issues that our politicians don't want you to talk about and the press won't talk about. Because if we don't start talking, there will never be enough noise to concern politicians with answering the difficult questions. Yeah, no, correct. And that's a, that's a very good point. Um, and of course, that's what we're doing here. The good source uh, is where we're giving a platform and giving a voice to a lot of independent uh, contributors. Um, we publish articles, but we also uh, publish lots of videos and podcasts uh, by Australians who are leading the thought on, on pushing back on the uh, progressive agenda, uh, just trying to get some right thinking into the place without euphemisms and wokeisms, uh, throwing out the baby with the bathwater in everything that was uh, good and, and established. Uh, it's the ultimate pushback against critical theory. Uh, want to attack everything and uh, the right to think that some things might be actually worth holding on to. Augusto? No, look, what Annie is saying is perfect because think about what happened after this election. The ABC is asking the opinion of the person who is the main culprit for the mm. problem that the Liberal Party is facing. Who is this sort of person? It's David Honey and Zach. So. And they are now writing the report for the Liberal Party to say that the election was lost as a result of the Liberal Party being too conservative, when the leader of the party considered defeat two weeks before the election. I have never seen such, such a stupid thing. You know, it is really a very terrible miscalculation. Then yeah. you have David Honey as, uh, being interviewed by the Financial Review to give his opinion of what happened. Well, I know what happened. He is the problem. And what happened is, is a stupid environmental policy. I invite David Honey now in this program to join the Greens, but I don't think they would accept me because he's too radical for them. He's too radical for the Greens. Uh, I love you, Augusto. You're, um, <laughs> you're worth every dollar. <laughs> uh, fantastic. It's a, a reality can be comical. <laughs> it is. I love your passion, and, and everybody does. You're always a favourite on, on the Good Source shows. Uh, that's that's fantastic. Jamie, uh, your your thoughts to wrap up the evening? Um, I think many would look, especially in the media cartel, would look at a, a segment like what we're doing as fringe. I personally believe that 70% of all society is predominantly conservative based in their thoughts, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom to do what they will, freedom to make their own money, freedom to spend their own money, their core conservative principles. And that's basically all we are doing here right now is espousing conservative principles and the scientific method going to climate is analysing data, analysing maths. And if we talk about maths, apparently that's racist now. So the left are trying to compound any kind of um, empirical evidence based on anything. But back to that, I think what, what we're doing is good. I think many more people than many of us know actually espouse the views we do, but they're afraid to say them. But um, I think we just have to keep pressing on and pushing on with things like this and keep writing material and, and keep pressing our government officials. Yeah. 
that's yeah, it. Brilliant. So thanks for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure, and we'll definitely have to have more of you. I, I actually, um, I either want to do an interview with you, or, or maybe do a whole um, not Q and A special in in two or three weeks on on climate and just discuss uh, the politics around it and the science around it. Um, maybe sure, see if we yeah. can maybe see if we can find some uh, mm. pro anthropogenic global warming climate change people to sort of be a bit of a foil and. And see if they can bring their best arguments. If if there is, we we'd love to have that. If you know anybody who you think uh, can can argue uh, well and would be a, a credible and articulate person on the panel, um, drop us their details and and we'll reach out to them and see if they would be brave enough. Um, although they might sure. sneer and pretend they're too good. Um, they're few and far between, really. In the his, historical climate wars, they they refuse to um, show up to climate debates <laughs> yeah obvious reasons but yeah but but i will i'll take that on board yeah i'll try and find someone okay. yeah there's a, a couple of good um a good shows planned up uh, coming up for the next few weeks um i actually want to finish with uh, our a lady this evening augusto so let's uh, get some final thoughts from you um uh, for the evening before we go to alexandra Augusto? Are you there, Augusto? Oh, look, uh, it, sorry, I thought Alexandra would be the first, but um, no, no. I just want to say that it is really, really a privilege to be engaged in this sort of discussion. We know that the media is censoring the debate. Uh, the mainstream media controls the, the narrative that is uh, provided mm. by the politicians. Uh, there is a sort of a very sinister um, uh, uh, combination of factors now. We have uh, the mainstream media and the political establishment trying to uh, dictate what we have to do, what you have to think. And it's a very important thing what Jenny has mentioned about uh, uh, the idea that uh, we need to have freedom, freedom of speech, freedom of assembly, freedom to develop our own uh, approach to life. And that's what we need to do. And that's why these sort of conversations that we have they are so important. The price of liberty is indeed eternal vigilance. We can only keep it if we yeah. are able to fight against the forces of oppression who want to control and mold us. We need to be able to resist and we need to be able to speak up our minds with confidence and be not afraid of having the sort of robust debates that we are having right now. Yep, very good. And Alexandra, thank you as always. You're always a, a favourite on Not Q&A. Uh, your final thoughts for the evening. For the last time, Dave, I'm not a lady, I'm a vampire. So if you can <laughs> get in line with the correct language identifying me, thank you very much. Um, no, I'm, I'm really... an, an Apache attack helicopter. <laughs> hey, I was a vampire before. Uh, no, I wanted to interview Augusto on my show because the world has knowledge i've already interviewed damien he was absolutely fabulous but the wealth of political knowledge that is on show here is lost and completely absent from the debates that we see online no one is having sensible discussions we are speaking almost entirely in hashtags and half thought out you know little bubbles that come out of the, of the press gallery which you know they don't mm. stand up to any scrutiny at all it's ridiculous that we seem to be living in in some kind of world that bears little resemblance to reality. If you told people today 
that these would be discussing things like maths is racist in 2021, they would have looked at you like you were a complete lunatic. You probably would have ended mm. up in a safe-based, padded environment. Forgive me for interrupting you, Ellie. To your point, uh, we saw a motion in the Senate today uh, banning a government using the words like chest-feeding. So, wow. <laughs> yes, I, I have often said that if a, a man starts calling, uh, men start calling women chest-feeders, the human race will be endangered pretty quick, smart, because I can't see anybody shagging them if that's the language we're going to start employing. I, I've had way too much chocolate today. You can tell I'm a bit riled up. But uh, <laughs> thank, thank you, everybody, for joining us. I, it was just a wonderful panel, and uh, I really enjoyed myself today. So thank you very much, Dave. Thank you. Thanks, Ellie. Actually, Psychedelic has suggested uh, Jonathan Sri might be uh, somebody good to get in. And uh, uh, my guest on Tuesday night is was uh, uh, Nathan Campbell's actually um, hoping to make that introduction for us. So I'll, I'll try and have a coffee and, and make sure Jonathan knows we're not trying to embarrass and humiliate and do a gotcha, <laughs> but we're actually after a, a bit of a meaningful debate, if, if one's possible. He's a, a, a Greens councillor here in Brisbane uh, City Council for those people who don't know who Jonathan Street is, but uh, a, a, an actual elected Greens person who might be willing to appear on a right-wing show would be a novelty worth tuning in for. Um, and, uh, and I would always ask you to keep the comments civil and just keep it logical and set a higher bar. Uh, but look, this is the good source. We're a website and a platform trying to give independent, right-thinking people uh, more exposure, more voice, uh, bring them to you. Uh, quite often have, a, have a, a really good platform all of their own, such as Jamie and, and Ellie. Um, and uh, we want to make videos and podcasts to, to um, bring their voices. And so thank you very much to the Good Source supporters who put their hand in their pocket for a little bit, $5, $10, $20 a month, and uh, just faithfully keep the money coming in so that we can um, bring this kind of platform to you um, because this is not the ABC uh, and you will hear right thinking articulated uh, clearly and uh, we are very interested in having our ideas challenged um, so that we can make our ideas better. If we're wrong, we'd rather not be um, and hopefully you think the same thing. Uh, well, that's it from Not Q&A tonight and uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Make sure you go to goodsource.news, subscribe to our email updates, and um, find us on all the social media channels, and we will see you again next week. Good night.